Good morning, and welcome to the Houghton Wesleyan Church. It's a privilege to be with you this morning. Please stand for the call to worship. I urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient to everyone. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, help us to be invited this morning. Help us to feel invited this morning. We're broken. We come with stress. We come with the burdens of life. But help us to feel welcome here this morning and to feel you close by that we know that we don't face life on our own, but with you we can do all things, and we can find our strength through you. Help us to feel you here this morning and to be encouraged and leave here today feeling that we are more full of you. In the Lord's name we pray, amen.
Amen. A great joy to see you as we gather together for worship today. Uh, take a moment, share a word of greeting, a word of peace with others who are here in worship as well. We have the great privilege this morning of welcoming Dr. Atef Kalaf, the uh, National General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Standard Church of Egypt. Uh, Dr. Kalaf is here for a few days, and uh, we are privileged to have him here with us this morning. He spoke in the Kaleidoscope Sunday School class in the hour preceding and is going to share a few words with us. His son, John, who is a student at Houghton College, is going to be translating for him. And uh, I know that uh, we are... We are in prayer for the Church of Egypt, and we continue to be, and it's exciting uh, to see the things that God is doing as he works in this uh, historic place of uh, his people. So, Dr. Kalaf, thank you. Good morning. Uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share here with you tonight. And I, uh, I'm, I'm here to I'm here to uh, tell you about how grateful the church in Egypt has uh, been for the partnership between the Western church and the Egyptian church. So some of you maybe it's the first time to hear about the Egyptian church in Egypt. But the church in Egypt actually has been as old as uh, Christianity. There was centuries of difficulties and uh, bad situation. But you need to know that you have brothers and Christ in Egypt that are uh, strong believers and they live uh, as strong as possible. Uh, then the, uh, the numbers of Christians in Egypt is estimated to be more than 15 million Egyptian Christians. And the number of the churches in Egypt there is 3,000 Coptic church and 1,200 Protestant church and 450 Catholic Church. And the number of churches of the Western Church in Egypt is 24. And we are very grateful for what have God been doing with us last few years. 2012 was a very hard year with, uh, under the rule of Muslim Brotherhood. It was one of the hardest years in the history on Christians. In that year, over 200 uh, churches have been burned. Uh, in one year. Uh, lo- uh, lots of attacks have been targeting uh, Christians in general. 
ناس كتير بكت بالليل خايفه على بناتها وعلى النساء there was so much fear uh, among Christians because they have received so many bad uh, like people have said that we're gonna come to you we're gonna do whatever we could لكن الكنيسه لانها بتصلي but the church because it's been praying الرب حول كل الظروف لخير الكنيسه all this difficult a situation God have changed it to be a, a blessing to us. The new president Abdel Fattah Sisi now is one of the our favorite one of the favorite uh, presidents so far. أصدر قرار إنه كل الكنيسة اللي تحركت في زمن الإخوان الجيش هو اللي يبنيها على نفقته. He the, he uh, asked the, uh, the military to rebuild all the churches that have been burned. وأصدر قرار إنه كل الكنائس الموجودة بلا اوراق رسميه مش مرخصه انها تترخص. Most of our churches in Egypt uh, are, were built illegally and uh, he have decided to give uh, a legal document to every single church that's uh, available now. لان معظم الكنائس كنا بنها بيوت وبعد كده نصلي فيها. Because usually we, we just take a, an apartment in a building and we start to pray there. والشهر اللي عدى uh, the last month في قانون اصبح لبناء الكنائس. وفي اول معجزه لكنيستنا الوسليه في مصر. الحكومه خصصت لنا قطعه ارض. ودي هتدهننا من غير فلوس. And it, it is going to be a free land. In a, in, a, in a city close one hour away from Cairo called Badr City. It's going to eventually, it's a new city and the estimation number of the population is going to be around three millions. So this is going to be the first uh, church in there. مساحة الأرض 1652 متر. هنبني فيها كنيسة. وهنبني مبنى لخدمة الشباب ومدارس الأحد وطلبة الأولاد. Bible school and uh, hopefully gonna, we're going to have uh, a training program that would help people, Muslims or Christians, uh, in the community to learn how learn skills, uh, different skills so they can get jobs and we can use these programs to get people inside the church so we can work and share, share Christ with them. Uh, so God that who gave us the land. Uh, the, The, one of the conditions uh, of getting the land is that we build the church in two years. So we have to build the church in less than two years. Otherwise, the land will be taken back. But I trust that God, uh, He is a faithful God, and He is a rich God. That he can do everything. He will uh, supply all the supplies that needed. And it will be a central building that will uh, support and help all those churches and other churches in Egypt. 
للمرسلين في الدول العربيه and going to be uh, hopefully uh, a beginning of a new program that will send missionaries to other arabic countries uh, soon يسوع قوي uh, god is great يسوع محب and he is loving يسوع سلام and اله سلام and he is a god of peace سلام. thank you I'd like to offer a prayer for Dr. Kalaf, the church in Egypt, and uh, God's grace upon them. Father, we thank you that your people are all over the world. And uh, we thank you for the church in Egypt. Thank you for what you're doing there among your people that you love deeply. We pray for the Wesleyan Church, that it will be a beacon of light and hope, a grace, truth, in the midst of a difficult environment. Pray for Dr. Kalaf as he leads the church. Give him wisdom. Give him the ability to to lead in the power of your spirit. We pray that your anointing would be upon him in all that he does, in every, every conversation, every decision, every part of his life. Pour out your grace upon him. We thank you for calling him to this place. And we pray that... Uh, that he will know your presence and your faithfulness to him as he leads. We thank you for what you're doing for the church in Egypt. We look forward to seeing what you're going to continue to do in the days and years ahead. And we pray for a real breakthrough, uh, for a revival of your spirit uh, in this great nation. And we ask that, that uh, you will help the church to be what you've called them to be. May they know our love, our support. May we be inspired by them as they worship you and live for you. We ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. You're very welcome. Bless you. The Old Testament scripture reading this morning comes from Psalms chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live on your holy hill, he whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury, and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. This is the word of the Lord.
as the ushers come forward, please stand and join me in singing the doxology. been blessed beyond what we can even recognize sometimes. Please help our offering and our giving reflect our gracious hearts. In the Lord's name we pray. Amen. Please join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. God of our fathers, 
we see the faith, courage, and holiness of those who have gone before us, and we realize how often we fall short of their witness. Forgive us when doubts stifle our faith. Forgive us when fear paralyzes our courage. Forgive us when our desire for self overwhelms our desire to be holy. As we pray these words of confession, let us hear your promise of pardon. If we confess our sins, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Following the scripture reading, children may be dismissed for Children's Church. The New Testament reading this morning is from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Now listen. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. 
You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes, your no be no, or you will be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? Pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? Call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord.
Those are just some glimpses of the prayer room that we've set up for a prayer vigil that starts today. Today at 5 o'clock is the first hour of the prayer vigil, and we want to invite you to be a part of it. This is the eighth year we've done this, and every year has unique elements to it. And this year we are talking about praying freely, so we're following on the theme of freedom that we've been talking about on Sunday mornings and small groups have been talking about as well. And we want you to be a part of that. We, um, we hope that you'll take advantage of the opportunity. Sometimes it's helpful just to step back from life. And an hour may seem like a long time if you haven't done it before. Most people re- respond by going through that and saying the time went faster than they could have imagined. So you can sign up this morning, uh, immediately after the service. There's a computer in the back. Anytime you get on the Internet, you can sign up. Call the church office if you don't have Internet access or if you want help with that. And we'll be glad to help you sign up this morning and throughout this, uh, the next three weeks. At 4.30 today, we have a service here for about a half hour or so just as a, uh, as a kickoff for the prayer uh, event. And it's a time we'll sing together, we'll pray together, we'll light candles and uh, just... A time for us sort of to join our hearts together as we pray, uh, which is really what we're wanting to do. Uh, the point of the coming to the prayer room every hour is to sort of create a chain of prayers. And when you, when you come out and you see someone there, uh, you sort of hand off your prayers to them. And when they're done, they hand them to the next person and on you go as uh, we complete these uh, three weeks of praying together. So let me invite you to uh, be a part of this time together. You'll also notice there's an insert in your bulletin with a couple of uh, two sides to that. And uh, one of them is about Wednesday night, Operation Christmas Child. We're going to pack boxes. Love to have all of you there. And uh, as I said to the earlier services, I think there will be food involved. I can't guarantee that. But if you bring food, then there will be food involved. But no, you don't need to do that. But uh, we just want a time of fellowship together as well as working on this project. And uh, we we'd want this to be an intergenerational Gathering, so uh, so come and be a part of this. You may have a chance to interact with folks you don't normally have a chance to. And then two weeks from today, we're hosting a uh, a lunch uh, for Houghton College students. And we, uh, if you're a student, we invite you to to come to that uh, after the services. And if you're a community member, we'd love to have you be a part of that as well. But uh, we are hosting this dinner and it's a chance to get together. It's just a chance to connect, get to know others a little bit more, and to uh, connect life uh, in that way. When you think about life, um, most of us would probably have, we have ups and downs to life, but I would think that sometimes we all agree that life is difficult. And I think it's particularly difficult, if we're honest, to be a, a follower of Jesus in a world that typically doesn't reward or affirm followers of Jesus. We kind of like followers of Jesus who sort of follow, I don't know, what I sometimes call a sort of a folk religion, where it's, it's being a follower of Jesus that makes everybody happy. But being a true follower of Jesus is actually more demanding than not. It, it, it's a lot more demanding to respond to someone who has hurt us by loving them than it is by seeking vengeance on them. It's a lot more challenging to, uh, to live your life thinking of others first rather than me first. 
It's a lot more challenging to live as someone who, who in the midst of life's difficulties and opposition and struggle, to live a life trusting Jesus as opposed to trying to control life on our own. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't equate more challenging with, with not as good. Because in the end, living for Jesus is the best way to live. It is the, it is the way that we have, that Scripture talks about over and over again to leading us to the fullness of relationship with God. But in the midst of this world, as we live in this, in this place, and we live out our lives in this culture, it is a challenge sometimes. And one of the challenges we're faced with is the same challenge that the people through the ages have faced, including the people who, to whom James writes. The challenge is living for Christ in a world that is opposed to Christ while we wait for Christ to fulfill his promise of returning. I mean, why do we do this? Why do we, why do we live the challenging life? Why do we live the demanding life? Because we believe that God is who he says he is and that God's going to do what he's promised to do. And that one day, God, Jesus is going to reappear and God is going to make everything right. And so we live in the context of that truth. And James is writing, saying, do you really live in the context of that truth? And throughout this letter, he's been challenging the church. And he's challenging us to live in that light. To live as so other people look at our lives and say, they really believe that the promises of God are true. They really believe that Jesus is going to do what he says he's going to do. And that he's done what he promised to do. They really believe that. And one of the ways in which that, that we see that revealed in followers of Jesus is what we do with our words. And chapter 5 has a lot to do with words. Because we can use our words negatively or we can use our words positively. And James warns the church about using our words negatively. And when we use our words negatively, he said it tends to come out as grumbling, complaining, divisiveness. We live as if we don't really believe that Jesus is going to do what he said he's going to do. He talks about taking oaths. It seems an odd thing to throw into the mix here. But he's not talking about the kind of oaths that we might take in a court of law. He's talking about just how we interact with each other in relationships. And I think the reason why this is so important to him is because if the only way people will believe us and believe what we say is if we swear on the Bible or on someone's grave or cross my heart and hope to die. You know, that thing we used to do as children. And the only way people will really believe that we, are, that we are truthful and that we mean what we say is if we add that to it, then something is wrong with how we're living. Something's wrong with our words. We aren't we are living up to the words that we proclaim. And, and, he's, and what does a Christian have? except in many ways our reputation to do what we've said we're going to do, to live the way we said we're going to live. And granted, we all fall short of that. But the passion, the desire, the yearning, and people see that. And so we can use our words negatively. And when they come out negatively, it is a hint that perhaps we are not as fully on board with the promises of God as we think we are. But then he says, use your words positively. And you get to the beginning of verse 13 and on through verse 18. He says, 
when you think about how we use our words, reflecting what we believe about God and what we, and we believe that what God has said is true, how does, what does that look like? What, is, how, what does that come out as? And he says, really, you could sum up what he says in one word. We pray. We pray. And the reason he can say that is because when we pray, we are declaring that we believe God is who he says he is. When we pray, we believe, we are saying, God, I need you because I and I believe that you are the only one who can help me. You're the focal point. You're the center of the struggles and the difficulties of my life, and I'm giving it to you. And so he says, as verse 13, if, if someone is, is struggling, then pray. If someone is happy, offer prayers of thanksgiving to God. If someone is sick, get the church together and pray for them. We pray. And prayer is a declaration, as best we know how, that says God is who he says he is, and we trust him that we are giving this to him. And in essence, that's what we're doing when we pray. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. Sometimes as we do that, especially when we deal with difficult things, we are... We find it hard sometimes to have the kind of faith that we see described by James here. He talks about Elijah who, who had the kind of faith that uh, he prayed to God for it not to rain and it didn't. And when he, and he prayed to God that it would rain and it did. That's faith that's kind of hard for us to grasp sometimes. When we're in the middle of situations, when we're in the middle of difficulties, sometimes it's, it's hard to find that faith. And what do we do? We help each other. We pray for each other. We support each other. I love the story in Mark chapter 2 of Jesus going to a house to teach. It's early in his ministry and... Um, He's there teaching. The house is full of people. And there are four guys who have a friend who's paralyzed. And they want to bring him to Jesus for healing. And so they put him on a stretcher and they carry him to the house. And they can't even get close to getting in because the place is just packed. And so I suspect a lot of us would say, well, sorry, we tried our best. Nothing we can do. And maybe we'd catch him tomorrow. But they're not going to do that. They climb up the steps to the roof of this flat roof. And they start taking the roof apart. I wonder what it was like to be sitting down there in the house. You know, you're like, what's going on? Have we always had a skylight? I don't remember always having a skylight. Have I, have I missed that? And then this guy comes lowered down into the, into the room right in front of Jesus. And Mark tells us that when Jesus says that when Jesus saw not his faith, but their faith. He forgave his sins and healed him. There is something in that that I think we miss about the church. That we are sometimes, we are faith for each other. And when James says, if you're struggling with these, these deep issues of hurt and pain and illness and all the things of life, get the church together, pray for each other because we are faith for each other. It's what the church does. It is what it means to, to help each other live our lives. Communicating, believing that God is who he says he is. That God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And that's exactly what we want to do this morning.
We're going to do something different this morning than we typically do. We have done this a few other times. We're going to spend some time praying for each other. In a moment, I'm going to ask the elders and pastors who are here to to come up front, to stand behind the altar rail. And then I want to invite you to come and to let us pray for you. It doesn't matter what the need may be. To come and let us pray. We have oil for anointing. James mentions that. There's nothing magical about using oil. It does represent in Scripture the the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's it's one more tactile way of, of encountering God. But we want to have the privilege of praying for you. You may, you may come, throughout the, this morning, we've had a number of people who come and prayed for uh, just a, a yearning in their heart. We've had people come to pray about family situations. We've had come, people come to pray about different kinds of illnesses, the whole gamut. You may want to come and pray in proxy for someone else who's not here today, but you want us to pray for them through you. Whatever the situation may be, we want to, to pray for you. And as we're praying, there will be images and scriptures up on the screen so that you have some, you can meditate on that, think about that. And ask that God will, will just continue to speak into our hearts. As the church, we pray for one another. So I'm going to ask the elders, the pastors to come. And those of you who would like for us to pray for you, please come as well. If coming to the altar is difficult, just come stand or come sit in one of the red chairs. And uh, we'll come to you uh, where you are.
Father, thank you for hearing our prayers today, as you always do. Thank you for the work that you are doing, have been doing, will do. For everyone who has come to for prayer today and for all the burdens and the needs that we represent, whether we were here at the altar or not. You're at work and we thank you. Help us to trust you for every one of those things. Father, we pray for the burdens and the needs that we represent. We pray for all who are grieving. We pray for all who are struggling with health issues. We pray for families and relationships that that are not what we want them to be, what you want them to be. And we ask for your healing grace in every situation. Father, help us in our work to, to do the best that we can. And in our work to sense you helping us and giving us grace. We pray, Father, for this church. And we thank you for the ministries of this church. Thank you for those who work with our junior and senior high youth. Bless every leader, teacher, helper, student. That through this ministry, our young people will be nurtured in the faith. That they will come to, to believe that you are who you say you are. And will live their lives trusting you. Father, we pray for the churches around us. and We pray for the Freedom Baptist Church and Pastor Downer. Pour out your grace on this congregation of believers as they worship you and serve you. We pray for our nation. At this time when it feels like there is so much dividing us, we pray that we would be united in Christ. We pray that the church, in the midst of all the division, all the divisiveness, would be a beacon of unity and hope and truth and love and grace. Whether those difficulties are about race or class or political differences, Father, help us love one another and be be an example of love. We pray for the world, for refugees who are wrestling with life in a foreign place and difficult places. We pray for places of war and ask that you would bring peace. We pray, Father, for the church in Nepal. And we pray for Romy Karengill as he, as he leads. We ask that you would bring a, a spirit of revival to the church in Nepal. We thank you for the good things that are happening. May it continue to be the case. Lord, we thank you for all the ways you are at work in our lives, in this place, in this world. We pray, Lord, that you will, you will use this prayer vigil to draw us closer to you as individuals, as a church, as a wider community beyond. We ask, Father, that you will do the miraculous. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We offer them in faith, believing that you are who you say you are and you do what you promise to do. And we rest in that truth. We live in that truth. We serve in that truth. We pray all of this through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We invite you to stand for the closing hymn as we sing together number 49, Children of the Heavenly Father.
receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.